This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Here is your guest host, Jane Brown. Whether you have private drug coverage, are part of the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, or have both, you likely have questions about what is and isn't covered, why sometimes you still have to pay, and how these costs are broken down. Dean Miller of our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association is on the line to answer your questions at 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740 about what you pay for at the pharmacy and most importantly how your pharmacist can be your advocate when it comes to what drugs and pharmacy services for which you may be covered. Dean, welcome back. Hi, Jane. So let's start out with uh, talking about the differences between public and private drug programs. What does Ontario offer uh, in terms of public money programs? Well, yeah, you know, this is uh, what we're, what we're going to talk about over the next little bit is probably the most confusing topic in a pharmacy that exists. And, um, you know, most Ontarians, uh, so about 35 to 40 percent, are on the Ontario Drug Benefit Program. And that includes seniors, that includes people on social assistance. And then there's specialized programs that, ca- that you know, that cover certain drugs for for cancer, or, or there's the Trillium program for people that are on, uh, you know, in lower, low of lower income status, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that that's about 35 to 40 percent of Ontarians. Then you've got, you know, another 10 percent or so that really they have absolutely no coverage at all. Like they they just they pay cash, they get nothing back, uh, and then and then you've got the remainder that that are on private drug uh, coverage. Now private drug coverage. There's about 10 big private firms, you know, we all know them, we've heard Manulife, we've heard Great West Life, those organizations like that have private insurance in Canada, and that's about 45 to 50% of the population. And that's where it gets really confusing because, Mm -hmm. you know, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different drug plan designs. Uh, out there, and it depends on your employer or or your union or or whoever has negotiated that drug plan for you on what those look like so it 's really it 's a really confusing topic and and you know the pharmacist is sort sort of stuck right in the middle as the person that sort of is there to answer all the questions and of course you know we don 't have you know, we don't have exposure to, you know, all the different hundreds and hundreds of private plans. We know Ontario Drug Benefit really well, but, uh, you know, the private plans, um, you know, we know them pretty good, but we don't know all the details, and, and sometimes I think we're expected to know those details. But Well, you guys are, I mean, pharmacists and your assistants are very quick to find out that information, in my experience, because we have private drug coverage here uh, as at Zoomer Media, and I know at my pharmacy, it's, it's all loaded in the computer, so they're able mm-hmm. to very quickly check to see if whatever medications I need will be covered. Yeah, it's a really good point, because, you know, in most of these drug coverage, I mean, whether you're on Ontario Drug Benefit or you're on a private plan, there's about 
you know, somewhere between about 4,500 and 5,000 different drugs that have some sort of coverage in, in Canada. Now, compare that to, you know, the, the, the 12 to 14,000 drugs that actually exist. You know, you you're, you're really only have coverage for about a third of those. And so, you know, there are times where, you know, you get a message back and it says, you know, the drug's not covered. And then, of course, you know, then... then Everyone, including the pharmacist, is sent scrambling to kind of figure out, okay, what, why, you know, why, you know, why wasn't it covered? You know, is there an alternative that perhaps mm-hmm. we could we could suggest? You know, and and that's where the pharmacist can really play a helpful role with with patients uh, and and listeners to kind of say, hey, you know what, you you don't need to pay this out of your pocket. Let's look for something else that will work just as well that is covered under your plan and as you said Jane you know most of this stuff is adjudicated online so so we have online connections to all of these different plans so it's really just almost like a test you know we we submit a claim we see if it's covered that sort of thing so so it it is it's not an unsurmountable challenge i guess is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. but uh you know there is solutions that the pharmacist can provide for sure you know, when you come in there and you've got questions about whether, you know, perhaps a very, very expensive drug is the both the right drug for you and whether it's covered. Well, and often your doctor, when they're writing out the script for you, will ask what kind of coverage you have. So they, it seems like they're in tune with uh, at trying to save you money or making sure whatever drug they're administering is on part of your plan as well. I don't know if all doctors do that, but I guess the good ones probably do. Well, you know, I think I think it's a bit of a mindset change that we've started to see in the last few years. I mean, I think the influx of generics uh, into the marketplace over the last, you know, 15 or 20 years has really led doctors to, to, to start asking that question. And it's a really important question, you know, what kind of coverage do you have? Because, you know, the average, a lot of people don't know this, but the average drug cost in Canada today is about $55 a, a prescription. So... Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if you've got coverage, you might be used to paying a co-payment amount of five or ten dollars or two dollars, and you really don't, you know, you really don't even think about how expensive some of these drugs are. And you know, that's average. So you know, there's drugs that vary all the way from ten dollars to you know twenty-five, twenty-five thousand, fifty thousand dollars, and and you know, then you get into some very specialized coverage. Since you mentioned the co-payment uh, as well as a deductible, tell us how that whole system works. Well, the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, which, as I said, is is the most common uh, plan that most people know, uh, it goes year to year. So, you know, once you become 65 um, or you, you're on social assistance, this entitles you to enter into the plan, and and the plan is uh, is individual coverage, um, so it's 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 on a per person basis, um, so it doesn't necessarily cover your family; it just covers you because you're over 65 years of age. Now, the plan itself, um, you know, covers as I said about about 5,000 different drugs in Ontario, and when it comes to deductibles, there is a deductible that. Every year, basically what happens is the clock resets on August the 1st. So if anybody has kind of gone to a pharmacy in and around August 1st, one of the questions the pharmacist may ask you is, is uh, or they may say, you know, this drug is $100 and you've got to pay that out of your pocket. So the first $100 in any, 
any claim year comes from the patient themselves before your actual coverage kicks in. Now, after that, um, the government divides the population in Ontario up into two things. They either consider you a high-income senior or a low-income senior. Oh, okay. So a high-income senior, you know, they pay a little bit more. So they pay that deductible. They pay a 611 copay on every prescription. What does that mean? Um, so what would happen is if you had a prescription that might be $100, so you, the pharmacist puts it through the system and it was $100 and that got billed to the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, what the computer would spit back to you or I would be a bill that said, well, you owe $6.11. Okay. So you as the patient pay 611 but the Ontario uh, Drug Benefit Program would pay the remainder, which, you know, in that case is about $94. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the way the system works. So those high-income seniors pay a little bit of a copay on any drug. Now, the low-income seniors only pay a, a copayment amount of $2. Um, so it's a lower amount. It's not 611 but it's $2. And one of the phenomenons that exists is that most pharmacies across the province will waive that. So they'll just... Um, they'll basically say, you know, we'll, we'll eat the $2. Oh, just, so, just for your business. Right, exactly. So it's a bit of a competitive uh, advantage that a lot of pharmacists uh, try and uh, take advantage of. So, so um, you know, in a lot of cases, people would pay nothing. But, uh, but there is a difference between whether you're a high-income senior or a low-income senior. Okay, so we've covered off deductibles and co-payments. And by the way, we're speaking with Dean Miller of our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Your calls are welcome till 1 o'clock, 416-360-0740, questions about drug plans, or while we have Dean here, here uh, any question you may have that you'd like to ask your pharmacist, uh, our pharmacist is your pharmacist, 416 Zero zero seven forty one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I wanted to ask you, Jean, about dispensing fees. Are dispensing fees ever waived in any situation, or is that, or like, is that set by the pharmacies individually as well? Yeah, typically, Jane, it is a pharmacy by pharmacy uh, choice by the pharmacist. Now, dispensing fees. You know, they vary all the way from about $4 to probably about 12 or $13, depending on what pharmacy you go to. So it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty hefty um, uh, bill that the pharmacist would have to waive. And, you know, that goes for a lot of the pharmacy activity that you kind of don't see or you don't think about behind the, behind the scenes. You know, the drug, the drug information piece of it, the drug interaction checking, the, all the professional services that a pharmacist uh, uh, does you know before he delivers he or she delivers that prescription to you in a in a safe uh, in a safe manner? But you know I, I'd be lying to you if I if I didn't say that some people out there do waive a dispensing fee. Um, but keep in mind that in a lot of cases with third parties and drug plans, which we're talking about today, all of those drug plans they have a defined uh, uh, fee that they'll pay. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a confusing topic because if you come in as as a patient and you say I'm just going to pay cash for my prescription and I look up on your wall and I see there's a dispensing fee of ten dollars, um, if you can if that same patient came in and they had a a, a drug coverage plan, uh, they may have a plan that won't 
pay $10. They may have a plan that will only pay $8. So, so that, you know, it's a bit of a confusing thing because, you know, here in Ontario, we post our fees. So every, every pharmacist out there, you know, you, you look on the wall and you say, oh, look, that pharmacist charges a $10 dispensing fee or $11 dispensing fee. Uh, but that's not always what it appears because sometimes your insurance coverage is what really dictates what that fee is as well. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're speaking with Dean Miller of our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Dean, just to follow up on private insurance versus public insurance when you turn 65, if you're working for a company where there's a private insurance plan and you're paying into that as your employer is as well and you turn 65, can you opt out of that to get the Ontario coverage and then not pay for the benefits at work? Yeah, I, that that that's a great question, Jane. And I mean, you can't opt out of ODB, but you can opt out of private. And and but you know that's very individual. As I said, there's thousands and thousands of drug plans, and quite truthfully, a lot of plans have retiree benefits included in there. So you know, after you've paid all your life, you know, they may offer you retiree benefits. Um, you know, but but that's a very individual company decision. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, you're right though. Uh, you could opt out, save yourself some money, uh, and you'll have pretty decent coverage. Now that being said, some of these private insurance companies have been, you know, the benefit plans have been created to sort of, you know, fill the gaps. So things that Ontario Drug Benefit did never has never included you know, would be included in the private plan. So a lot of t- it's a it's a tough decision to make. And often, you know, you really just have to kind of look at both plans together and say, you know, for the future, what's going to do the best for us? I mean, do, do I get, you know, because I might get a little bit of extra drug coverage, I might get a little bit of better hospital care uh, by a private room or something like that when, you know, I might get better chiropractic care or something. So a lot of people choose to hang on to that uh, private insurance even after 65. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, You're a popular guy here today, Dean. (laughs) A lot of calls on the line, 416-360-0740, Robert in North York, your question for our pharmacist? Uh, afternoon. I've got a question about insulin. I'm on Lantus, and uh, my doctor's putting me on the higher volume one. I don't know what it's called, but I'm taking 160 units of Lantus, and it's not working, which is why he's moving me to the, the higher volume. The, the diabetic nurse is telling me I should take the new stuff on a one-to-one basis. In other words, take 160 of the new stuff. And the, and the pharmacist is telling me that if I do that, I'll, I'll actually kill myself with too much uh, insulin. Who's right? Well, you know, again, here, here's a situation where, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, individualized. Now, Lantus is, is, is probably the newest insulin available on the market, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's what's called a, bio, um, a biologic drug, and we've talked about that on the show before. So it's, it's, it's actually produced by one's own cells. So it's really, it's really an interesting drug. It's a little bit more expensive. Um, now I haven't. I mean, I I personally think it's a little bit of grandstanding to say you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's uh, you know the the metabolic centers you know in the hospitals and whatnot. Um, you know they're 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 pretty good with this stuff and and 
you know, insulin is one of those things that, you know, between Jane, myself, and yourself, you know, if all three of us sort of were diagnosed as diabetics, I almost guarantee that all three of us would have a different regimen of, of the way to take it. Um, right. I think, you know, I think the pharmacist is my personal opinion, and I don't know all the you know, all your personal situation, but but uh, that's a bit of a grandstanding comment, I think. Well, he's telling me I'm, if I take it on a one-to-one, it's actually a three-to-one basis. So I'm taking 300% against what I was taking before, 100% of Lantus. He's yeah. telling me I should cut it down by two-thirds, and she's telling me I should take it on a one-to-one. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can't I can't speak exactly for the situation, but the uh, but the the Lantus does um, you know is is a uh, certainly a more potent than your typical beef and pork and synthetic uh, insulins that, you know, people have been using for years. So I think, you know, I would follow the guidelines of the of the metabolic center, I think. Okay, Robert? What, what's the metabolic center, sir? Or, or you were saying that the nurse, right? The, the, the nurse. I, I, I'm just assuming you had a... Yeah, usually what they have, you know, as people leave a hospital, they usually uh, they usually deal with the metabolic nurse or whatever at the, at the hospital, whether it be like Sunnybrook or Mount Sinai or wherever, right? So, Okay, Robert, thanks for your call. Hope that helps. Elizabeth in Newmarket, you're on the line with our pharmacist, Dean Miller. Go ahead. Hi, Elizabeth. Elizabeth? Yes, that's you. You're on. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. Uh, I am just trying to find out what constitutes a high income for seniors. Oh, good question. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, those just changed, um, I'm going to guess, maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, Now, when they say high income, it may not be the same thing you think of as high income because the value is around... $24,000 $24,000 combined family income. So if you're, you know, if you're living with a partner, if your husband, you know, it's, it's the combined income between the two of you. And the number is about uh, around the range. I don't know exactly the number, but it's around $24,000. Anything over that, you're considered a high-income senior. Anything less than that, you're a low-income senior. Well, that's ironic, isn't it? Well, it is indeed. Um, When both of you worked all your life, uh, both of you are getting the uh, OHS and you are getting the CPP, it will come, definitely will come over 24. Yeah, I I mean... That's poverty line, my goodness. And and Dean, explain what's the difference between what you get if you're considered low income and high income? So as a high income senior, or as you're designated as a high income senior, your out-of-pocket expenses are a little higher. So every August, you've got to pay that deductible, which is $100. Three times more, right? Because... uh, when you are a low income, you pay two. Right. When you are a high income, you pay over you pay six dollars. You pay six eleven. So that's that's on an on right. like a prescription by prescription basis. So, you know, a lot we we often laugh at the income levels because, like you, uh, Elizabeth, we 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 find them a little a little ridiculous kind of thing because um, you know that certainly is not what you consider high income by any stretch of the imagination, um, but. That's the way the government reviews right. the rules. Um, so that's the way that it's, it's assessed for, you know, the deductible and how much you pay as a copayment amount. So okay. it's, uh, it's uh, it, again, uh, Jane, this is, this is why this is a, a, a great key message here, I think, is to, uh, to 
go see the pharmacist, let them help you kind of navigate this system because it's pretty confusing. Steve from Markham, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. You have a question for our pharmacist, Dean Miller. Hi, Jane. Hi. Hi. Thank you for the beautiful mornings anyway. Oh, you're I welcome. Probably, I you're probably welcome. grew up before you. Uh, <laughs> do people know the difference in prices between uh, a department store and the top two uh, drug stores? So, so what is your question? The difference in prices between a, a certain department store and the top two uh, pharmacies. Holy moly moly. Okay, so give us an example. I'll give you an example. Aspirin 81. Mm-hmm. 180, 180 uh, uh, pills, okay? Department store, $16. The top two pharmacies, $28. Okay, so this is for for items you're going to find on the shelves in the aisles. On the shelves or, or, or prescription, or prescription. Check them out because the prices are ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. What, so, so you would be talking about the difference between being at a Walmart as opposed. Oh, thank you. Oh, you you said it. I didn't say it. No, no, no. But Walmart, I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to picture shop- this scenario here. Walmart shoppers and Rexall. Holy moly, moly. Okay. What do you and Dean? Your experience with that, or your thoughts about that? Well, certainly the market leaders, you know, on price are certainly you know those names that we all know: Walmart, uh, Costco. Uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, you know, as an independent pharmacist, for instance, to to compete with those organizations because they do have you know that bulk buying yes, that yes. certainly your little corner pharmacy cannot compete with, right. and uh, you know it's most noticeable uh, for young mums on things like diapers and and infant formula and things like that, where uh, you know that 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 example is 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 quite a good one, but you know on diapers and stuff like that, wow, I mean those big gun those big guys like that can really. Uh, uh, take advantage of some bulk buying. All right, let's see if we can get to the rest of our questions. Two minutes left here. Dave and Ajax, go ahead. Hi, first-time caller. Great, uh, thanks. Thank you. Yes, Dean, I have a question. I'm a private business owner, and mm-hmm. for many years I've had my own private insurance. Um, and I'm just wondering, I've just turned 66, and I'm wondering, I pay, it's through the CPSA, the Canadian Professional Salesman Association. Right. I pay $200 a month for myself and my wife, who is 66 as well. And I'm just wondering, am I throwing money into the wind to still do this? Should I just rely on the Ontario Care? We're both reasonably healthy. We don't use yeah. different, like, physio and different things right now. We've been right. blessed with good health. And I'm wondering, is this a waste of money now? Yeah, we were addressing this a little bit earlier. You really have to read all the fine print, right, Dean? Well, yeah, and I would say, you know, the other thing to think about is if you're primarily using it just for drugs, you know, and not anything else, not like massage therapy or anything like that, um, if you're primarily using it just for drugs, I think it's time for you to probably uh, get rid of the alternative plan and just go with Ontario Drug Benefit. Because, you know, Jane, I had mentioned that, you know, Ontario Drug Benefit covers about, you know, 4,300 drugs of the 12,000 that are available However, the 4,300 that they cover are the most commonplace ones. So unless you're on something that's uh, kind of uh, very specialized, more than likely uh, that Ontario drug benefit coverage is going to more than satisfy uh, your needs if on, on drug coverage plans. And, and, you know, I would $200 a month, that's a lot of money. And, it is. And I, I would say that, 
you know, it may be time to, to, to say goodbye to that, that alternative coverage. Right. That could be a nice vacation when you add it up to $2,400 a year. Right. 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 Thank you so much, Dean, for your time, as always. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Have a great afternoon. Yes, you too. Dean Miller of our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.